This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Still a little bit worried about the outcome with the strike, but what can we do? We just have to wait and see. As a parent, I'm just really, really hoping that we can provide a continuous, safe, and fun environment for our kids to learn. From her lips to God's ears, that is what parents and kids want. And today and tomorrow, we're starting uh, the trek with two million kids in Ontario getting back to school. Of course, if you're in the Toronto or boards in the GTA, you got an extra day off. But everyone is hoping for normal. No more pandemic disruptions, no labor disruptions, and so far we've got the province and education unions talking the same language using the keyword of stability, which is what we need, given all of the issues. I want to bring in Karen Littlewood. She is a president of the biggest of the education unions, the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Great to have you. Thanks, Karen. Hi, Alex. Good to be here. All right, both unions and the Ford government are on the same page for now. The word is stability. What does stability look like when all the education unions are without a contract in the next year? So just to contextualize it a little bit, I've been teaching since 1991, and I don't know of an occasion where a collective agreement was signed prior to the expiration. We did have an extension in the middle there. But we've had a lot of stability in education. COVID has caused some instability for us. But we are in a typical bargaining process where we are following the School Board Collective Bargaining Act. We have determined as OSSTF what will be discussed at the provincial level, what can be bargained at the local level. And we meet again on the 12th of September and we look forward to the proposals um, that both sides will offer at that time. I know you're not a a magician, so you can't fix the date as to when these contracts are negotiated. I think a lot of people are wondering, why is it always colliding with the start of the school? But nonetheless, it is where we're at in life in this province. But having said that, um, I mean, parents want to know, it's not just the teaching part of it, but a big part of it is the sports, the extracurriculars. And we know that teachers volunteer for those kinds of things. But Is it realistic to think that this year, given all of what kids have gone through, I mean, I know that negotiations are always tough, they they can derail quickly, but are are the unions going to go out of their way to make sure uh, that the extracurriculars and we don't see a lot of work to rule um, action taken? So just to clarify, the reason why collective agreements expire on August 31st is we follow the school year according to it. The the problem that we face, though, is all of the collective agreements expiring at the same time, but that was thanks to the Harris government in the 90s, too. So as far as clubs, teams, drama, sports, the things that really motivate people to come to school, and that's not just the students, that's the students and the staff, I know for a fact that those sign-up lists are going up and that people are going to be doing what they can to get back to the normal, stable, enjoyable year. Your clip just had someone saying continuous, safe, and fun. And while I agree with the government, I agree with that, that speaker too. This is exactly why people get into education because they want to be involved in the learning for the students, but all of those other activities too. And they so desperately have missed them over the last couple of years and are so excited to get back to them. 
One of the issues, and look, we know we're going into the flu season. We know that once you get kids in inside and what people move from the outside to the inside, we know we're going to get cases. We've got the flu season, so we know that we're going to see the cases rise. And I think the concern is that while everyone's going to try to do their part, it will take, you know, a few loud voices to say, look, we've got to shut down or we've got to go back to online or uh, this isn't safe. Um, when, when I think what most people would want is to get into this phase of managing to live with this. And so I think that it, how much flexibility, Karen, will there be to work through some of the blips, um, you know, and the ebbs and flows of this new norm? Yeah. So, you know, there, like I said, there's, there's been a lot of instability, but we're going to hope for the absolute best. And while it has not been declared as such, schools really have been, um, I guess you'd say, a breeding ground for COVID. And that's mm-hmm. just by nature of the building. When we're going to have kids together in a cafeteria, eating together in a smaller classroom or a larger classroom, riding the bus together, COVID is going to spread. No, the masks are not mandatory anymore. Some students, some staff will continue to mask. We each need to do our part. You need all of the layers of protection. That includes vaccines. The vaccination rate in youth is low. It's really low, 11 and under. That's something that people can do to protect themselves. Last week, Dr. Moore said, well, you know, most students have had it, so they have that layer of protection. I, I find it hard to believe that that's the strategy. Let's get people to get COVID and be immune that way. Let's make sure that we're providing whatever protections are needed so that we do keep the schools open, so that we don't run into the, the eighth or the ninth wave. You know, we've had increases over the summer when people are outside. We're heading back inside. We've got to be taking care of each other. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there'd be a bigger concern over the fact that we are so low in herd immunity with the bigger uh, diseases like polio, measles, uh, you know, chickenpox, those things. I mean, we are way under where we need to be, and I'm not sure why no one's raising the flag about that one. But but let me move forward because I don't have too much time, and I want to make sure that I've got everything, Karen. What is the major sticking point? I mean, are we really far apart? I mean, generally speaking, once one union strikes a deal, they kind of all fall into place. It's not necessarily always that easy, but what is the major sticking point? Are we close to getting something ironed out? Yeah, I, I would love to be able to give you details, but, you know, as I said, we've determined what's going to be bargained centrally and locally. We have not put any positions yet on the table. And I do want to correct an earlier statement that I heard. We're not the biggest um, education union. ETFO has more members than us. True. But we, Sorry. Do yep. have, we, we do have over 60,000 members, about 40,000 high school teachers and about 20,000 education workers. So we're bargaining for both of those groups not at the same time. They are complete and separate tables. We need to bargain for both of them to make sure that uh, the students are going to be best served by the education system. Um, But in 2019, we knew what the government was going to do. They were going to cut 25% of the public high school teachers. That was really unacceptable, and the public stood up and backed us, and we managed to get that rolled back at the bargaining table. We don't know what's going to be the proposal from the government this time. So I eagerly await that on the 12th of September to see what the government is going to say. Um, Our education workers will be looking at that on the 14th. The government's bargaining with all of these unions at the same time. So while we don't get nonstop bargaining because they need to be sharing those dates amongst all the affiliates, we are all going to do our best. We want to bargain in good faith. We want to be at the table and we want a resolution and we want a deal that's going to best serve the students of the province. 
I read your editorial over the weekend in the Toronto Sun, and one of the issues that you were concerned about is the privatization of, of school um, and, and that stability in, in this contract negotiation. You know, the government has to stop implementing policy changes or new programs, things like, um, you know, subsidizing uh, private tutoring and or giving tax credits or vouchers. But but I would push back on that. I mean, I talked about it earlier during the show where if, if parents aren't getting or they don't think their kids are getting the education, like for two years now, we have not heard any education about getting the kids caught up, something that should have happened immediately. Um, you know, it's like if parents feel that they aren't getting what they pay for, do they not deserve a choice? There was a proposal during the provincial election from one of the parties to say to have a, a grade 13. I don't think we needed a grade 13. What we needed is a funded fifth year. So students who have mm. missed it, those students who want to head into the tech field, into the trades, have that hands-on mm. experience. I think that's really important. But the other issue with, with money and pockets and heading towards private tutoring, uh, I think the latest announcement of the $225 million amounts to about $70. Um, you can barely get registered at a, a private tutoring institution for $70. So now we end up in a very inequitable state for education where those who have money, sure, they can enhance, they can add on to. Those who don't um, really are challenged. So instead of taking the over $2 billion that's gone into parents' pockets over the last couple of years out of the public education system, why not there and fund education so that everyone has equitable access. Nonetheless, it is going to be uh, certainly in need as the kids try to get caught up. But uh, I appreciate you coming on, Karen, and I hope the negotiations go smoothly and we get, you know, um, you know, some stability and clarity as to what things look forward to moving uh, moving into the new year. But wishing your members all success in uh, in the yeah. challenges ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Happy back to school, everybody. That is Karen Littlewood, president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. So again, lots to still negotiate. Uh, you know, I don't see this being settled before Christmas, no question about it. It's just, again, I think just for the public, it's not the union's fault. It's just how the calendar lays. But like that, why they have to negotiate this, at this time of year just seems ridiculous to most people.